Welcome back to the Monash Future Thinkcast. Before we start, I would like to pay my respects to the traditional owners and custodians of this land. The land which I am currently on is a land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. I would like to pay my respect to their elders, both past, present and emerging, and recognize that sovereignty was and never will be ceded. Welcome everyone back to the Monash Future Thinkcast. Today's guest is James Dapachi. James, if you wouldn't mind giving us a quick little introduction about yourself. Hello, I'm a corporate and commercial litigator. I practice in Sydney and I live on the New South Wales Central Coast. I practice at a firm called Chamberlain's. I have a role called Special Counsel. And to market my practice, I use the various formats of the contemporary internet to sort of share legal updates and recent cases in my area. That probably covers it, Anvita, if you're <laughs> if you're happy with that summary. I am. That does cover it. Um, I think the, the modern internet aspect of what you do is very interesting to me, and it's how I first came across you. I was um, scrolling through TikTok mindlessly as one does, and I happened upon one of your videos, and I have to say I was quite shocked to see a legal professional um, talking about case law on TikTok. It's usually very separate for me, having my law school, you know, on one side of my mind and then TikTok on the other and it kind of merged in one, which is fascinating. And that's where I first found you. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about why you made that decision to go into TikTok? Yes. Um, Well, as we know, um, all social media apps, and and I use the term social media loosely, we just call it like everything on the contemporary internet is aging up real fast. So only your grandparents use Facebook, only your parents use Instagram. And the joke from three years ago that isn't TikTok for 13-year-olds doing dances is, of course, a joke that just has a punchline that never lands because it's not true. It is very much um, where the contemporary attention is, in my view. And I decided to give it a crack in 2019 as part of a strategy to try to diversify my online publishing portfolio to basically everywhere that's relevant. So... At the time, I was on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. I host a podcast and uh, Instagram, and all that was fine. And this was just the next thing. I'm also on Clubhouse, but I expect by the time this um, this episode's out, Clubhouse will have received its last rights. But the decision to go to TikTok was not particularly challenging or difficult or different from saying, oh, well, um, I'm in these other places. This new place appears to be relevant. So let's see how that goes. You know, like any new platform, it takes a while to learn the customs and the mores and what's exciting. Um, There were some lawyers at the time who were doing the drafting a statement of claim dance where you point into empty air and then you come back and edit in some words, which just did not appeal to me at all. I just decided to do my best to try to communicate outcomes of New South Wales Supreme Court and Court of Appeal decisions and sometimes Victorian Court of Appeal decisions in 15 seconds if I could. Partway through that journey, TikTok extended it out to 60 seconds, which I was very grateful for. And there's since been an extension to three minutes, which I am also grateful for. And so um, my trip to TikTok was not about doing something outlandish or strange. I was already giving video case notes elsewhere. Uh, This was about doing my best to try to figure out how to do it on the newest and I say most important platform on the contemporary internet. And it's also good fun. So that works too. I mean, you're completely right. It really is uh, arguably the most important platform at the moment. You'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't have the app downloaded and spends, you know, at least half an hour on it a day scrolling through. 
what's the reception been like from your professional world? You know, again, the legal world isn't one that's particularly prevalent on TikTok, not really. Um, so, yeah, how did everyone receive it? Reasonably well. Of course, the, the first year or so it was received with gentle interest of like, okay, hey, there's, there's a lawyer giving it a try and that's fine. It started to gear up into a genuine commercial spoke in the wheel of my practice, if that metaphor works, uh, from about late 2020, early 2021. And now it serves as the place where I get my high value online referrals because someone will have been looking at me for the last two years, going live and doing a Q&A or being as honest and clear as I can about the state of the profession or as honest and clear as I can about things like my charge out rates, things like why would you pay a lawyer to do X, you know, and also reviewing as many decisions as I can possibly get out there in the most approachable way I can. And so it sort of shifted from a bit of a hobby to just complete my online presence into a way for me to really crystallize my thoughts in answering sometimes quite difficult questions that people put to me into now being something that I get a lot of joy from and that I also feel I owe a bit of an obligation to. So when there's a lot of unanswered comments or unanswered questions, I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I've got to get on the app today and try to answer some of these. So it's very much become a spoke in the wheel of getting business into my practice. But it's also helped me refine my professional skills. So when you're before a judge or when you're speaking to an opponent, what you're trying to do is express yourself as clearly as you can, as completely as you can, in the shortest time possible. And if you're trying to summarize 700 paragraphs of a judgment in 15 seconds and do a reasonable job of it, and you've been doing that for two years, then your brain gets accustomed to trying to come to grips with big, complex ideas and to deliver them in crisp, concise ways. And hopefully, that's what I've managed to do. The reception's been reasonably good from the profession, from I don't care to that's interesting. The reception from people who comment is interesting. It's either universal praise, which is very kind of like, you're the best. It's comments about my appearance. The one I get a lot is, um, you look like an old, fat, bald Harvey Specter, who's the older blonde guy from Suits. And look, I can see it, um, so <laughs> that's fine. Um and then, of course, you get other practitioners or accountants or experts who actually want to get into the nitty gritty of a decision, which, which is itself really quite interesting as well. So I consider myself very lucky to have decided to dip my toe into it a couple of years ago. And then I consider myself very lucky to have subsequently taken it quite seriously to now being in a position where there are 17,000, 18,000 people who are happy to have me pop up on their For You page from time to time. And sometimes are happy to have a conversation about fiddly little areas of law that I find really interesting. So the reception's been a real pleasure, frankly, <laughs> in my career. That's wonderful to hear. I think um, it's really notable to me, particularly how you were saying that it's really enhanced your practice and really allowed you to, I guess, reach a new host of clients that you maybe not have had the opportunity to reach otherwise. As a law student myself, something I, I keep in mind is that you know, the legal industry needs to be contemporary, needs to stay up to date with whether it's social media or just kind of current trends in our world, TikTok being one of them, but just the internet widely. So I think that's really fascinating to me how you've managed to do that. And Vita, I, I'm grateful for the compliment. And I also see it as something the law's pretty good at, but generally with a 10 or 15 year time lag, you know, there's the famous high court decision where 
it's the first time uh, Wikipedia was relied upon because to define what what reality television was. And I think broadly speaking, the law always ends up catching up, but about 15 years behind. And I think I and a huge number of other people like me, I'm, I'm not on an island out here, but I do say I'm pretty good at it, are trying to acknowledge that there's value in communicating about the law um, in a contemporary way, but also not doing the cap backwards like, yo, 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 dudes, here's how the Corporations Act works, to, to, to just try to do it in language that is, you know, commercial, common sense, often, you know, quite legalistic. If I'm explaining the duties of a liquidator or the nature of corporate oppression or what a derivative action is, I can't really do that with yo-yo dudes, check it out, here's, here's what I have to say. I just need to explain what it is. And I think if you're not pandering in that former way, if you're just properly engaging with people who are, you know, who you have the good fortune of having crossed your path on these social platforms, then I think you're giving yourself the best chance to communicate. And Vita, if I can just linger on one other benefit, the other question is, well, if you're saying you're a final year law student who switched on about your career and you bumped into me on TikTok, well, you've just described one element of my strategy. So building a practice is not all about getting clients in the door charging them a lot of money, uh, getting the money, getting them out the door, getting the next client, getting the next batch of money. You also need colleagues to go on a professional journey with you. And so I get a lot of CVs sent into the firm from very good third or fourth or fifth year law students. Because if you're 20 years old and basically you're using TikTok to watch, I don't know, basketball highlights, but you're also a third year law student trying to take it a bit seriously, you might just follow one law account to just have a little bit of law coming into your life. And that third-year law student in 2021 is a fifth-year law, law student in 2023 is a somewhat competent junior grad in 2025 and maybe someone who's interested in joining my team in 2027. So a lot of people question of like, oh, what are you doing on TikTok? And the answer is trying to build a practice. But the answer is not trying to get heaps of sales and people through the door. It's trying to build a practice in a very genuine way. And that will include going on a journey with a number of, sort of excellent professionals who I'll need help from and hopefully will provide help to with their own professional journeys. So I'm doing my best to play chess, not checkers. And uh, part of it includes TikTok. I think that's very true to my own journey, um, finding kind of where I want to go in my professional career as a law student, thinking about, you know, where I see myself landing um, in the kind of expanse of our legal industry and certainly seeing yourself on TikTok and other kind of legal professionals across various social media platforms has allowed me the opportunity to really, you know, see a lawyer for who they are as a person rather than as a lawyer. In law school, you kind of forget that your life doesn't end once you kind of graduate and become a lawyer. You still have your hobbies. You still have your interests. You still have many other things that you do. And, you know, practicing the law is simply one facet of yourself and your identity having uh, stumbled upon your kind of online content was not just the fact that you do coffee and a case now on TikTok, which is notable in itself, but actually then seeing, oh, you used to be a rapper in your younger days. You have a podcast that's got nothing to do with the law and instead looks at horror movies on the side, you know, seeing these really varied interests was, um, yeah, that, that really um, intrigued me. And I thought, okay, there's a place for those of us who the law is now 100% interest. I feel like it makes you a better lawyer as well. So, um, firstly, there's a well-being element, right? So 
And Vita, if the moment you graduate and get your grad role at Blogs and Blogs and off we go, oh, well, the time of reading sci-fi novels is over now and I guess I've got to throw out all my old skateboards and I'm never going surfing again. I don't think that's a path to being a happy person, firstly. Secondly, I don't think it's a path to being a particularly good lawyer. If you are someone who your client sees as purely a law question answering machine, then there is no relationship you're building with your client. And if there's no relationship you're building with your client, then the moment there's a better lawyer than you, or the moment there's a lawyer in the same sort of region who's cheaper than you, you're gone because your client has no relationship with you. And it is only building a brand, which is to say, um, having a reputation, which is to say, being in people's imagination, having people think about you when you're not around. So it is only having people think about you when you're not around that prevents you having to be the cheapest of six quotes. Because if it's a race to charge the least, that's great. And there are businesses that make money from that. If you have an ambition to practice law at a high standard and to act for clients who appreciate you acting at a high standard and applying your very best efforts, then the way you're going to have to do that is to be a full-rounded person. And so the example I have for me that you kindly raise, Anvita, is this podcast, Spooko, that is the only way I've maintained a relationship with you know my best friend from high school. And we hop on and talk about a horror film once a week. That is sort of an example for me of clinging on to an element of my identity that is important to me, of you know cr- creating stuff other than advices, pleadings and affidavits that is separate to my professional life. And it brings me a lot of personal well-being. And I think it also rounds out my personality because I have things in my life other than what are my billables? What are my juniors billing? Show me that timesheet. What's the most recent development in my area of practice? What are my other partners billing? You know, rah, rah, rah. It allows me to be a more complete person. And so it allows me to build more complete relationships with those I try to serve. And so I think it allows me to be a better lawyer. I also say it allows me to be a better technical lawyer because if, and I often frame things in a competitive way, if you'll forgive me for the confrontational tone and Vita, but if you and I are practicing in the same area and I'm happier than you, then I like it more than you, then I'm going to work harder than you. And no matter how much uh, caffeine and booze and cocaine you ingest, I'm always going to keep coming because I'm going to be happier than you and I'm going to be happier in the trenches doing the hard work, frankly, the more years pass, the greater my advantage over unhappy people becomes in a competitive marketplace scenario. So there's an element of it being, you know, pursuing your own happiness, being very good business strategy as well. So I commend it to everyone for their own mental health, the, the health of their, you know, and well-being of their families, but also as a calm, cool, considered business tactic as well. I think that that's something that can be applied directly as well to students, you know, whether you are a law student or anything, universities have largely become this kind of competitive breeding ground where I find that everyone is kind of doing as many extracurriculars as you can, boosting that CV, you're on LinkedIn, you're making your posts, but when it comes down to it, when's your time to relax? When's your time to, you know, spend time with your friends and family and build upon your own interests? And I think it's it's a real battle I see, you know, within myself and my friend group that we're all trying to grapple with that notion of, okay, how much time are we spending dedicated to our career and to our studies 
and then how much time are we spending dedicated to ourselves? And it really is a balance. It's something you kind of constantly work towards. But seeing that finding that balance does reap rewards in the long term and does reap rewards in your career, I think is is definitely something that's of benefit because then you don't feel guilty. There is that aspect of guilt when you take time away. Uh, for me, one of the things that I always try to kind of ignore and push away is that feeling of guilt. How did you personally deal with that when you were a law student and kind of, I'm sure the times were a little bit different. You didn't have LinkedIn being as popular as it is now and things like that. It was easier for me full stop and and I don't really know how to describe or how to give a reason for the reason it's so much harder for law students today like it just is I, I presume it's just because it's become a numbers game that there are only so many jobs out of law school and there are so many smart driven highly intelligent young people who are competing with you for those jobs while I was at uni I had the great fortune of not really wanting to be a lawyer um, so I was hosting a radio show a couple of days a week I was making rap music and I was um, working at a pub and hosting trivia nights. And at, I got okay marks. I got second class honors just and Vita. I just, oh, I'm so like, I'm still, I'm still um, salty about it. Um, so I got okay marks, but, but I wasn't a sort of brilliant, shining um, top echelon student. And what that gave me the latitude to do was to you know take a take a preliminary role as an inexperienced lawyer and sort of gradually slowly fall in love with the profession without it being a burning desire that kept me up till 3 a.m doing study groups or or whatever the extremely hardworking colleagues i had were doing so it's difficult to condense that down to advice because you are studying with so many high quality people but the way to distinguish yourself i say as someone who looks at a fair few resumes is not to have a similarly very high mark to someone else who has similarly very high marks. It is to have reasonably <laughs> reasonably good marks, so it's not to wander away from your studies, but um, to have something else to talk about. And so, and Vita, if the hypothetical applicant X, if they come in with extremely good marks and have nothing else to talk to me about than their very good marks unlikely to be particularly excited to be sitting in a room with them for the next few years and, you know, guiding them through their careers because there won't be a lot that I've got in their personalities to form a relationship with. Now, for some applicants, that's fine. Um, for some firms, that's fine. And for some firms, it's not. And so if I could offer a word of comfort on that point, there are firms who will say, why weren't you staying up till 3am every night? mainlining caffeine to get the highest marks possible because you didn't do that you're not coming to this firm fine and that's fine for those firms to say and fine for those students to do but if you're a student who has a more respectfully rounded approach to your studies there are also firms who are going to be really excited by someone who knows everything there is to know about making pour over coffees because they help their brother run a cafe through the last three years of uni or, or, or whatever it is. If there's something about you that allows you to distinguish yourself from the other excellent people who are coming to apply for jobs, then I think it only works to your advantage. But if you're a very good student hovering around your sort of high credits distinctions with a couple of HDs, if you're lucky, then I think there's an element where an employer will say, yes, you know, you get it, obviously. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> and if you can't conjure up a good answer to that question, then there are some 
firms and some conversations, including with me, that I'd be like, well, congrats on your good marks, but I'm not sure how we develop a relationship from here um, because I don't know anything about you or you haven't offered me anything for me to almost socially sink my teeth into, as it were. So I think being gentle with yourself in those times when there's a new game on the Nintendo Switch or when you just have to go hiking because someone's found a new trail or whatever it is, is likely to lead to your long-term well-being and long-term professional success more than scratching your eyes out for one more mark. That, I think that's very, very sound advice and I'm hoping that any students who are listening to this uh, definitely take that on board. One thing I find um, quite notable is, you know, we have said that it is a little bit harder for law students now than it might have been a couple of years ago, a decade or two ago. But the, I think there's also a benefit of the situation that we are doing university in, you know. Sure, COVID has had its challenges, but I personally have found a lot of benefit from kind of working from home arrangements. With having spoken about work from home and using technology in the way that we are now, how has your experience been working from home, you know, in such a commercial practice? Uh, for me, it's been easy in some ways because I am sufficiently progressed in my career that I don't need supervision. I don't need to go chat with someone down the hall. I'm running my practice. I'm managing my clients. I'm running my matters. The challenge, I think, is for juniors and people joining the profession. You know, the way I learnt was standing over the shoulder, literally, of someone who was pretty good. And you know, how do you draft an email? How do you speak appropriately to an opponent? Um, how do you wind a client up when they're speaking too long on the phone and they're the client who always complains about bills? How do you do things firmly, delicately? All these soft skills that you pick up from being around people who've been in the profession a little bit longer. Uh, I don't want to say lost, but it's very difficult to pick them up if you're not in the immediate vicinity of the seniors you're meant to be working with. So it's all okay for us seniors to laugh away and go, yeah, yeah, here, here I am in my board shorts um, and I'm appearing at court. Here's my suit and tie on, but now I'm just wearing track pants. Ha ha ha. Yes, that is certainly true. And it's a great privilege that we who have a bit of experience can enjoy. I think the challenge arises with junior colleagues now, I qualify that with the fact that I am the parent of three children who are school age and my spouse is an essential worker. So um, homeschooling while running a legal practice is a complete nightmare, Advita, and that uh, is really starting to bite. And so perhaps there's a balance between that senior practitioner, a number of senior practitioners are, of course, parents, versus junior practitioners, a number of whom are not parents, Um who take the benefit of working from home on one side and the challenges of working from home on the other side. But broadly speaking, without courtrooms, it's become a very strange experience to litigate and without going into it, but with the caveat that the way you learn how those things work as a young lawyer is you sit in the back of the courtroom. <laughs> so you sort of miss that experience as well. So it's a not universally positive experience, Anvita, the old working from home. And I think a balance between the two is where we must be going uh, to be the most effective profession we can. That's my current view. I completely agree. I think a balance is definitely something important. Um, I hope that, you know, once I am actually working, I do have the benefit of having a bit of a flexible work-life routine. 
Um, I definitely would like to have a few days at home, but also exactly as you said, there's something about heading into an office, heading into a courtroom with your colleagues and learning that that qualia you just can't get anywhere else. So, you know, James, I'll I'll wrap up our conversation here, but I guess before I let you go, I'd like to ask you, do you have any final words that you'd like to say to any of the students who are listening today, whether law student or otherwise? There's a lot of young 20-something eager young professionals listening to us today. Yeah, um, uh, it's a piece of advice that that I was given, so I can take no credit for it, and and you'll have to forgive the French as as well, Anvita, that is, don't fuck up the same way twice. And to me, it's a piece of advice that I've really clung to as the years have passed because, firstly, there's a degree of empathy to it, which is to say that um, there's an acknowledgement that we all make mistakes, we make goofs, we make fuck-ups. It is going to happen because we're doing a hard career and we don't all of a sudden know everything as soon as we're straight out of university. So there will be those moments where it feels like your stomach's going to drop through the floor because you put the wrong you know, name on a letter or you use the wrong court document or the client got angry with you and you don't know why, whatever it is. If you've made a mistake, that happens. If you make the same mistake again, that's when the problems arise. So if you treat each of those inevitable mess ups as a part of your sort of learning journey towards becoming a better professional, then that I think is the path towards mastery. And look, speaking, whatever I am, 15 years down the track, (laughs) the goofs don't let up. (laughs) They just get a bit bigger. Um, So it's worth bearing in mind that we are all ourselves on a professional journey and to be a little bit gentle with yourself for the first mistake, but to be really thoughtful and considered about how to avoid making that same mistake again. A wonderful piece of advice that I hope, and I'll keep in mind, I hope everyone else does too. Well, thank you very much, James, for chatting to me today. It's been a really great conversation and I encourage anyone who's listening to you know, head into the description. We'll have linked James's socials um, and just have a look at what he does. It's some really fascinating things and you might learn a little bit about the law and the way as well, which is always a good thing. Um, so yeah, thank you, James. Thank you, Anita.